Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Another edition of the Hot Stove. Great to have you with us here tonight. Gary Hill alongside Rick Riz. Shannon Dreyer is here. Brady's on the other side of the glass. We are getting down to it. This is nearly our last hot stove before we gently maneuver into the Cactus League report. Shannon, this is your last hot stove. The next time this show runs, you will actually be in Arizona. Hard to believe. It is hard to believe. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> You're right. Ready? Is it really time? Whether we're ready or not is irrelevant because it's happening. All packed, Shannon, ready to go? I actually, I set a tub of shoes down. I sent a big <laughs> suitcase down. And my goal is to just get on board with a carry-on suitcase, which I never do. Mm-hmm. It's and a good goal. Yeah, it is. I mean, because we don't, too. we usually don't worry about these right. things. Mm-hmm. We just give the bags. And I actually, the first time that I had to after... Um, after all the travel that we have had with the team and with the charter, uh, my family took a trip in the off season, and I was going to do just the small suitcase thing, and I packed yeah. it up, and I was proud I got everything into it, and I went with them to the airport, and we went through security, and then we go to the gate, getting a coffee, and about 15 minutes later, I'm like, huh. Where's my bag? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's back at security. Oh, my Mariners goodness. tag on it, and they oh. saw me coming and knew. So. Oh, good. <laughs> Not yeah. the best traveler on my own. Well, shouldn't they have just taken it right to the plane? I mean, I thought that's how that, how that works. Usually I that's how it works. Yeah. Must have been an off day. Uh, I'm really excited for this show. This is going to be fun. The, the only concern about this show is we may have too many great guests. I don't know if two hours. We're doing eighteen is be innings enough. tonight. Yeah, this could be a problem. <laughs> we may have to go extras. Uh, Manny Act is going to be here. That's I great. always love talking to Manny, yeah. so we're going to do that in a few minutes. He's he's in Arizona now. He just got there today. Sam Haggerty will be along in a few minutes. I'm very anxious to talk to Sam. Justin Tool, our first conversation with Justin, a new member of the Mariners organization. I'm looking forward to this. His insight coming from Cleveland too. They've been doing some really interesting things in the last few years. So we'll mm-hmm. talk to. Justin. Scott Hunter's going to be here. He's in charge of the Mariners draft. Something that, you know, we're, it's not really draft season, right? But something we should all keep in mind is the Mariners have three picks in the top 30 coming Are they going to get a quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I'm sorry. I'm still I'm as trying long to as shift Pat Mahomes. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Mahomes would be a good one. Does, does Scott Hunter ever have an offseason, really? No. I mean, he's no. constantly watching baseball games and has done a, obviously a great job, six years as a minor league player, then a coach, and now 
uh, the director of amateur scouting, and he's really loaded up this organization, one of the best uh, in minor league organizations in all of baseball. A lot of the kids are obviously here, more are on the way, so it's always fun talking to Scott. Yeah, we're going to play uh, the game Where in the World is Scott Hunter when we talk to him mm-hmm. later. Uh, he must fly a million miles a year. I can't yeah. imagine what that looks like. Yeah. And Daniel Kramer, who's in Arizona right now, uh, writer for MLB.com, will join us. We're going to lead things off, though, with Penn Murphy. It's a great way to start. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I was expecting more resistance, yeah. which is why I paused. I wonder no, if he has great. his guitar with us, with him. Maybe yeah. he could play us in and out play of this a song segment. Or two. That would be really good. And he can really play, too. Yes. Walked in the clubhouse in Baltimore, sitting in front of his locker all by himself, playing. And, Son, you're pretty good. Born in Nashville, so he's got those jeans in him. You know? Penn Murphy bumpers. You just, well, that is a great <laughs> idea. He, he, should he play his own walk-up music, walk-out music? I don't know. You don't really say walk-up music for relievers, but they have their own songs. Sure he should be do. playing his yeah. own. Yeah. Fire engines. That's a good idea. <laughs> There's that. Yeah, that's right. So let, we'll dive right into it. We'll talk to Penn when we come back and get this show rolling. Thanks for being with us. Hot Stove, Penn Murphy, coming your way right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Great to have you with us here, Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Shannon Dreher. We're awaiting Penn Murphy in just a moment. He's getting the guitar. <laughs> yes, he's I warming so. up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm manifesting this. Yeah, he's going to join us with the guitar. I I think that'd be great. I mean, he brings it everywhere he goes. Yeah. Maybe he's finishing up his Valentine's Day dinner. Hey, by the way, Shannon, Happy Valentine's Day, Gary, Thank and everybody you. out there. Happy Valentine's. Valentine's. I was a little nervous asking people to come on the show around dinner time on Valentine's, but I, I yeah. didn't get any pushback. And but, maybe, maybe you reminded some people of some yeah. things. <laughs> maybe they just didn't realize at the time. But, Ooh, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, whoops. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> Gary will understand. <laughs> yeah. So all the guests we, uh, I just said we lined up. Maybe, maybe we're not. <laughs> all bets are off. Maybe we're not getting any of them. <laughs> Uh, bets are off. But it does sound like, uh, you know, I'm going to be heading down on Sunday and it sounds like almost everybody is there already. If you're checking social media, you're seeing guys are working out, seeing some encouraging things. We can talk to Daniel Kramer about that a little bit later. He's already there on the ground and has had eyes on a number of players. But it's great to see some video of Andres Munoz coming off the surgery, throwing Mm -hmm. and just all sorts of other players that uh, just cannot wait to get there. And what's great about spring training now, too, is that, uh, you know, the guys work out during the course of the off season. They'll start throwing after the first of the year, start hitting. You know, at a certain point, I think uh, Ichiro started two days after the season, you know, and, and got ready. So when they get to spring training, they, they kind of hit the ground running. There's still a long way to go, obviously, you know, six weeks to get ready for a brand new season. A lot of work to get done. But, you know, they accomplish a lot of things during the course of uh the off season from the end of the year until the start of spring training. So I, I can't wait to see these guys and and start uh, getting a chance to take a look at the new guys and visit with the new guys as well. And speaking of visiting, we're going to visit with Penn Murphy now. Penn, I know you're in Arizona as we speak. Thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. It's great to chat. No problem. No problem. Glad to, glad to chat as well. I was thinking about you a year ago today and just – Everything that has happened in the past year for you, of course, becoming a pillar, uh, a part of one of the best bullpens in baseball, a playoff team. How different is this spring for you compared to where you were a year ago? Um, 
Well, obviously, you know, I've had some experiences in the past 12 months, so. (laughs) (laughs) Never the same person, but, um, you know, nothing's changed. It's the same goal as every other year. Um, You know, we want to play to the last game and win it. Um, But as far as everything else, it's, it's just good to be back in with everybody, see everyone's face, and, you know, give everyone a hug and, it's like first day of school, you know, so yeah. just every, everyone's buzzing and excited to be back. But personally, it's just, yeah, I'm trying to get better each each day and and just rock with my boys. Paint us the picture, Penn. It sounds like a lot of guys are down there working right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've had, we've had guys trickling in, getting their physicals done. Um, the pitchers have been, you know, doing their throwing and getting off the slope. Um, there's been some guys in the cages. I've seen some, some ground ball and outfield work. So guys are getting after it. And, um, yeah, we still got a few more guys rolling through, I think, but, um, we'll get out there on Thursday. Penn, before we get into a lot of baseball questions for you, you born in Nashville. Do you still make your home there? You play the guitar and tell us a little bit about, uh, how the guitar playing is coming. You're writing some songs or what's going on with, uh, Penn Murphy the past year? Oh, um, well, I am from Nashville. I was born and raised. I do make my way out there, but just being being with the Mariners since 2018, I've, I've kind of made a launching pad in Arizona, if you will. Um, I come back and forth from here. I've, I've spent some winters out here in some off seasons. This winter, I was in San Diego. Um, but the guitar actually came, came along for me later in life. I picked it up at the very end of 2019. Um, which just so happened to be good timing with COVID coming coming along, but um, I picked it up as a you know as a later in life kind of gig. You're a Vanderbilt guy too, and I know you were a position player when you started your career in Vandy. What mm-hmm. led to the transition to pitching? I had a season-ending groin surgery my junior year. I was I was playing first base at the time and. Um, my groin just decided to give out, so had that surgically repaired. And when I came back in my senior season, I was not moving around like I was used to, and um, it was pretty clear that I was not going to be able to help the team on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But throwing didn't seem to bother me, so I kind of, I kind of mustered up the courage to ask if I could pitch to avoid just um, sitting out. And um, it's been a refining process since then, but that was kind of the that was the catalyst for it. You get to the big league level last year and you have everything that is available there as far as, you know, there's video, there's technology, and there's also coaching and teammates with tons and tons of experience. What did you benefit or who did you benefit the most from at the big league level and kind of helped in your growth to getting you to where you are? I can't give you just one name. I really wish I could go down the list, but there are too many to name. I think that it really is just such a cohesive effort um, in terms of the support that we receive. I mean, all the, you could go down the list of everybody who's, whose sole job is to help us, which is extremely humbling, and we're very fortunate to have those resources. Um, but then, you know, all my teammates, I can't, I can't even hope to, to name them all, but there are a few guys who, you know, I'll tell my grandkids about and just feel really blessed to have spent some time with them and we'll continue to. 
And last year was so much fun getting to the playoffs for the very first time. That was uh, on September 30th when Cal Raleigh hit that home run off of uh, Domingo Acevedo. But the night before against the Texas Rangers, the Mariners used, uh, Scott used seven relievers, seven of the guys out of the bullpen. But the next night against Oakland, Logan Gilbert went eight innings, and then Matt Brash, the scoreless, top of the ninth inning. Cal comes up with two outs, nobody on, 3-2 pitch, hits the home run. Mariners are in the playoffs. You're out there in the bullpen. What was that experience like for you, Penn? I completely blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was absolute mayhem. And I don't think we were even prepared for the response that we received from the fans yeah. in the stadium. I, I mean – I'm getting chill bumps sitting about it. I'm actually in my truck. I was caught in a hailstorm coming back from getting a burrito. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting chill bumps sitting in my car thinking about it. Yeah. And just it's one of those fairy tale moments, and you know, I, I know it's from the movie and all, but how can you not be romantic about baseball? That's kind of what I think about. It's just Murphy's Law. Every you know, it's going to happen. How long did it <laughs> so, take you to get to home plate? Oh, I like I said, I really I. It's fuzzy. I do not remember it all that well. I think it was such a spike in adrenaline that I really, truly did black out. <laughs> there are so many great moments for the team and so many great moments for you last year. You're a 33rd round draft pick, right? And you climb your way up to the big league level and you have so much success. You have the year that you had last year. Now that you've had some time to reflect on last year, uh, what does it mean to you, given everything you went through to get there? Um, it, you know, it's it's a new year, um, so I think I'm 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 focused on on the upcoming year. But in terms of kind of compartmentalizing everything and digesting everything, I don't think I I have done that. Still, um, I've just been trying to, you know, keep my eyes in front of me, and I'm sure when my career is done, I'll look back at it all, but. I think I've just looked at the experiences and the learning opportunities and, you know, I'll take that with me in my game and, you know, my approach and just, you know, as you, as you gain more experiences, you become a more experienced player. And I think it's just always a refining process, but, um, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to try and stop for fear of getting stuck in the mud. I'm just trying to keep moving forward, but Yeah. Okay, away from baseball, I know you've done some pretty interesting things. We talked about the guitar. Uh, we know that you've explored quite a bit. What was the highlight that did not involve baseball for you this off season? Mm. I'd say surfing. <laughs> the, yeah. the many times I got to get out in the water, it's a challenge. It's something I haven't done a lot of. Um and the water's humbling, you know, and just that's a whole other world. But that was probably the highlight, being able to surf down in San Diego. Penn, uh, some new things uh, on the ball club this year. You're going to have a new bullpen coach and Stephen Vogt, who's going to, you know, help out. Uh, former catcher in the big leagues for many, many years. Also some new rules. 15 seconds to deliver a pitch with nobody on. 20 seconds with somebody on. How is that going to affect Penn Murphy? You know, we were actually having a discussion about these changes when we were in the, uh, you know, the tubs after our workout today, me and a couple teammates. And I think it's hard to say. Um, I'm approaching it with a blank slate. I'm not kind of coming into it with any type of judgment on the front end. I think that I'll just try and react um, or adjust would be a more appropriate term accordingly. 
because I think there's going to be a lot of unforeseen things that pop up because of that. I think that you're going to see guys, I mean, the guys in the tubs were already talking about how guys were exploiting it in AAA last year mm. and different ways of messing with timing. And, you know, there's this gamesmanship aspect about how how much you can call time and pick off. And I think it's going to take a, a couple a couple weeks to really see how that plays out and who's exploiting what, you know, what you can pick from those situations. But it's Stephen Vogt. I mean, we're all, we're all psyched to have him out there with us. Um, you know, I've talked with some other teammates and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to get to know him more and, and learn from him. Going into this year, when you think about last year and all that you accomplished, do you change anything going into this year or is it more just refinement of what you do well? Mm, I'd say a little bit of both. And that's kind of what I've always done. Um, I've never been someone who who sticks to the exact same thing every single time. I'm just not wired that way. I think I got a little too much right brain in me. So <laughs> uh, I'm always refining. It's it, I'd say it's more the refining process. Um, but we're always tinkering, you know. And there's certain things I've added into you know, my routine that I'd say I haven't necessarily done in the past, like a bunch of breath work and been doing some more mobility, you know, type of exercises that I haven't necessarily done in the past or variations of them. So a little bit of both. Hey, Penn, I was watching the Major League Baseball Network uh, yesterday, and they were talking about the pitchers wearing uh, a device on their wrist, a pitch com, where they are going to call the pitches you know, to the catcher. So that's going to be interesting. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, I've heard mutterings of it. And how do you think that's going to work? Because I hope it's not too loud in the catcher's, you know, helmet because the hitter can hear, I want a fastball inside, you know. <laughs> right. I know that uh, I know that our catchers have an earpiece. So it actually goes okay. straight into the, like, a, like an earbud would. Um but yeah, I don't know. Are you familiar with Theseus's boat? With what pen? It's called Theseus's boat. It's a yeah. like one of those old aphorism type stories. It's a boat, say built you know a thousand years ago, but so, slowly but surely each plank of wood is replaced over time. At what point does it stop being the original boat? <laughs> well, that's not how I see it. You know, it's technically still baseball, yeah. but fast forward two hundred years, what do you get? And yeah. I'll be honest, I'm kind of a purist. And, um, you know, I'm not going to kick and scream at, at that. I think that it'll, you know, but, like, why change it? <laughs> Get the sign from the catcher. <laughs> yeah, because the catcher's <laughs> watching the hitter. He's trying to pick up things that the that the hitter is doing. And you and you trust Cal Raleigh. You trust Tom Murphy. For years, the guys trusted uh, Danny Wilson and Dave Valley. So it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm... I like having the catcher's opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I could see some guys wanting to be able to call certain pitches in their in certain situations, but again, I'm just going to defer to Theseus's boat. I think it's just kind of like <laughs> you can always come up with more efficiency, and you can always chase that. But yeah, it's it's beautiful because it's messed up. Every baseball field's different. You know, are we going to make every single stadium the same? Is every game going to be played in the same stadium at some point for sake of? You know continuity and I hope uh, not. I think that's yeah. I think it's just a slippery slope. Yeah. 
Well, Penn, thank you so much for all the time tonight. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you here shortly. Thanks a lot. Thank you all. Go M's. Penn, thank you, buddy. There it is, Meredith's pitcher, Penn Murphy. Looking for a fun spot to watch your favorite team? Come to the Hatback Bar and Grill located from T-Mobile Park, right across from T-Mobile Park. Great food, beer, plus free parking. The place to visit, hatback.com, to make a reservation. We come back, we'll chat with Manny Acta. Coming up right after this, Hot Stove continues. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, the voice of spring, Shannon Dreyer. Yes. <laughs> we, need, we need sweatshirts, T-shirts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, we, I haven't heard your commercial yet. When's that coming? Oh, I have a commercial. I know. I yeah. was waiting to hear yes, it. I haven't heard right. it on the show yet. Yes. I was being serious. Voicing spring. Yeah, I love your commercial. <laughs> Yes, Peoria Sports Complex is a great place to be this time of year. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) That sounded right. You're right. Yeah. We're visiting a maniac in just a moment. I think we're getting him on the line right now. Uh, It's interesting to hear Penn Murphy talk about those conversations already happening with uh, the rule changes changes and everything else. I mean, that's that's the biggest story in baseball is we – uh, get a chance to visit with Manny Acta and someone who's going to be directly involved with a lot of these changes. Manny, it's Plotting great to talk scheming. to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Manny. Good evening. Good evening. How are you guys doing? Well, let, we're doing great. Let's start right there with this conversation. I mean, you're someone that's yeah. been involved in a lot of defensive positioning for a long time. What's kind of your take? Uh, let's start with kind of the shift restrictions. What's your take on how you think this is going to play out? Well, yeah, you're going to have to adjust, adapt, and improvise, that's for sure. I mean, things have changed. We spent so many years playing our defense whenever we felt, uh, whatever we felt uh, it was convenient to us. And uh, our analytical department does such a, does, uh, such a great job for us. So one more time, now we're going to have to go back to the drawing board, and they're going to be able to to uh, guide us to the right direction and uh, then we'll adjust to it. Uh, the only thing you can do is put three guys on the other side of the infield, but still, you can play uh, heavy pool, which is what everybody tries to do anyway, trying to pull the ball. So uh, we're going to take a look at the numbers. We're going to meet with uh, uh, John Chenier, the guy who, who runs uh, the positioning for us upstairs and, and Jesse Smith and the whole department, and they're going to um, they're going to, you know, show us whatever they came up with, and uh, we'll we'll adjust to it. Manny, just in all of your experience and what you've seen, and we don't know how it's all going to play out, and that's kind of the beauty of it. You can you can plan and you can you know diagram everything out, but there are a lot of new rules coming. What do you ultimately think will have the most impact on the game? Uh, um, you know, I. I I like the ghost runner, first of all. <laughs> I want to get that out of the way right away. Speeds up the game. I, I, I love it. Stay. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At, the, at, the beginning, at the beginning, I wasn't a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized that that's, that's the part where uh, the most strategies mm-hmm. <laughs> I use uh, during today's game because, you know, uh, the bunt has gotten away, the sack bunt, uh, no hitting running. Uh, probably a little bit more stealing now because of the bases and the new rules and stuff. But 
the ghost runner actually brings strategy to the game. It's a, it's a time where, you know, we have to figure out whether we are going to bunt or allow them to bunt, whether we're going to walk the guy and try to look for a double play. Uh, if, if we do walk a guy leaving off an inning, if they bunt, can we load the bases and try to get a double play and get out of the inning? So to me, last year, that, that really got me going. And I, and I kind of, uh, I loved it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I, I was kind of torn a little bit because I have some of the old school in, but you have to adjust, adapt, and improvise. I think um, the, the the other, the the clock, the clocks are gonna, <laughs> are, are really gonna be uh, a pain when it comes to a, an adjusting period, but. We're going to have a month down here in spring training to work on it. And a lot of the guys that went through it in the minor leagues seem to think that it's not such a big deal, but it's going to be a, an adjustment uh, for, uh, for the pitchers. Um, you know, it, it, it's 15 seconds with nobody on. It's 20 seconds, 30 seconds uh, for the hitter, 20 seconds with that runner on first base. And then uh, – the disengagement that that's 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 a huge one it's going to be uh you know we're going to have some arguments going on uh when when it comes to that because stepping off it's one throwing over is another one and now you go from there i mean if you throw over and you don't get the guy it's a balk and so forth you guys know all the rules so this is going to be to me what's going to be the biggest adjustment the bases are, are they're going to be there i mean they're a little bigger um, it's three inches is the difference, and um, to me, it doesn't matter how big they are. If you if you continue to step on top of it or or in the back of it, you're not going to take advantage of it. So I think uh, um, you know it, it's going to it's going to help in a way, but uh, we'll have a month here, so it's going to it's going to get get hectic. I think the first two weeks, and and then by the end of spring training, we we're going to have it down. Yeah, the game's going to look different, even at spring training this year, Manny, because this is a World Baseball Classic year. The Mariners and all the clubs have different guys going to play for their respective uh, countries, and I think the Mariners have about 10 players going to the World Baseball Classic, five or six off the big league roster. So how is that going to affect you know the way the team gets ready? A lot of young guys and other guys are going to get a lot of reps uh, with those guys gone. Yeah, you know, some of those guys that are going to be gone – um, uh, are going to give uh, some of the younger guys uh, an opportunity to, you know, to show Scotty and, and, and our staff what, what they can do. It's an opportunity for them to uh, uh, to, to get some of bats. But uh, speaking of those guys going to the baseball classic, they're not using those rules during the baseball classic. So there you have it. Those guys are going to go over there and, and do their thing that they've been doing for the last 10 years. Uh, guys that are in the big leagues. And now they're going to come back and they're going to have to adjust to all the clocks and, and, and all the new rules and stuff because the baseball classic is not included any of that. Wow, they're not going to have a lot of time to make that adjustment either at that point. Or some of them will and some of them won't, which brings me to the question, who's going to win the WBC? Well, you know, I'm, I'm from that, that, that island, uh, you know, where – those superstars come from, so I'm biased. I'm, I'm thinking that the Dominican Republic is going to do it again. We have an outstanding team. I know that Team USA has an outstanding team, too, especially that bullpen. 
that they have that it, it's huge when it comes to the WBC because uh, the, the the pitch limit and all the restrictions that apply to that tournament. So having a really good bullpen, uh, it's very important. And also Team, team Japan always comes out and, and brings a very good team. Those guys are all committed to play over there, and uh, and and it's the only team that has won it twice. But uh, you know, I have to pick my Dominican Republic and my GM Nelly Cruz. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Manny. You mentioned the DR, and for those that don't know, you do tremendous work in the off season. I know you spend a lot of time and effort uh, with everything you do. For those that don't know, can you tell us? Uh, fill us in on, on what you do in the off season. Well, I have a I have a foundation that uh, revolves around sports and education for uh, for the youth of the area where I grew up. And um, you know, I started in 2007, and we built a baseball complex with five baseball fields, three over my um, Williamsport um, type of. Uh, design or, or measurements for the little kids uh, to be able to play because in the DR, usually when you have a big baseball field, the big guys get in and then the the, the little league uh, players have an issue uh, getting in there because there are too many people doing business on those fields, trying to, you know, the, the so-called buscones, they run uh, programs, academies. So I built three baseball fields. We built three baseball fields for the for the, the little kids to be able to play. And then we built two more outside the complex. So we total seven baseball fields, and we also have a, an educational center where we help uh, um, educate kids and whoever it's behind in school. We have a, a teacher that goes there every day and, and help the kids out. Also, we run three or four Little League programs out of there and make sure that the kids are in school and getting good grades and all that kind of stuff. And whatever we can do for them, we continue to do on the, on, on the you know, uniform bats, baseballs and stuff like that. I, I get a big hand from the Mariners every year. You know, they, they, they help us out, and uh, we appreciate that. But it's mainly to try to get kids off the streets uh, especially, you know, in, in this era where, you know, they, they see so many things that they shouldn't be seeing and listen to so many things that they shouldn't be listening. But um, it, it's, uh, it, I'm just trying to pay back. I'm trying to pay back uh, not only to my country, but the community that I grew up because I had a wonderful childhood over there. And, you know, I, I don't think I can repay um, everything that that community did for me and my my brother and my three sisters, my whole family, basically. So uh, it, it's it, it's it's something that we're very proud of because uh, when I stop by on the weekends, weekends and see 400, 500 kids running around mm-hmm. playing baseball, and uh, it's just very rewarding to me. Man, that's outstanding, helping out so many kids there. Uh, in your community, San Pedro de Marquerie, I mean, uh, you, the, that has produced so many major leaguers. You know, I was looking at the DR uh, – lineup for the World Baseball Classic. Julio, Soto, Machado, Guerrero, Ramirez, Devers, Teoscar Hernandez, Gary Sanchez, Jeremy Payne, and not a bad lineup. I want you to talk to me about what don't we know about Teoscar Hernandez. We saw him the last few years with the Blue Jays. He had two home runs against us in game two there in Toronto at Rogers Center. But what more can you tell us about Teoscar Hernandez who's going to play right field for us this year? Well, uh, 
Kioskar is a, it's an outstanding human being, which is it's something that uh, people don't see. All they see is uh, the baseball player, and and that's something that we take uh, pride in, in, in with the Mariners organization. It's it's not only being able to play the game, but it's also uh, you have to be able to be a good teammate. You have to be able to care about people, to care about the community. And uh, I know him for a long time, and he's always got a smile on his face. And he's a guy who's going to be very good for our clubhouse. He's going to be very good for Julio. Not that Julio need any type of guidance. I've never seen anybody so young, so mature. But um, yeah, he, he's going to he's going to be really good for us. Uh, I'm very happy uh, that that he's in our side now. He's a guy who's who's very dangerous against left-handed, right-handed, you name it. And uh, he, he's He's very athletic. I mean, people second guess his, his defense over the last couple of years. But I remember when he first came up, he used to play center field in the Astro system. And uh, he's young, he's athletic, and I, I think uh, Negron is going to help him out back there. And and we're going to do our thing with him, and uh, and he's going to help us out. So um, besides that, I'm just really looking forward to see uh, Jared Kelnick just. Uh, Come on out and 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 explode this year. I'm I'm a big fan. I think uh, that you know that that left field situation over there. I'm looking forward to see what those guys can bring to the table and uh, and help us out. And you know, uh, people tend to forget that Kelnick is still a, a very young player. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out as soon as we get down there. All eyes again are going to be on Jared. I understand he did some very good work this off season. A year older, finally, and still so so young. Uh, you know, but that's what you see in spring training. You see these guys come in and the work that they put in. And uh, you've had a few more spring trainings than I have. Not many, but a few more. I'm just curious. What what do you look forward to in that kind of first week? That first getting down on the grass there again, seeing the guys again. I don't know. Maybe it's it's a, it's a cigar at some point. But what is it that you most look forward to and enjoy in spring training? Well, you, you start uh, looking at what they did during the off season. I mean, uh, if a guy shows, if a guy struggled last year and shows up, you know, doing the same thing, uh, that's just not a good sign. You, you need to go over uh, during the off season and correct whatever didn't work for you. Uh, we also look at uh, at the shape uh, of the uh, of the guys when they come in. What was this guy doing during the off season? Our training staff, our strength and conditioning department checks on those guys, and they personally visit a lot of them. So our guys always show up in in great shape. But you know, at, at the beginning, you try to just make sure guys don't try to do too much and don't try to make the ball club on the first day or the first week. But it's uh, it's very hard sometimes to to uh, to tell a young kid that is trying to to impress people not to do his best out there. But um, you know that, that that's that's the main thing we try to do. Where the guys made adjustments during the off season, and if whatever they did is gonna is gonna pay dividends, and uh, and and then let the games begin, and 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 we'll see what they what they brought. Well, Manny, this has been really fun to catch up. Thanks for all the time tonight. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you soon. Yes, come on down. It's very stormy today down Ooh. here. It's kind of, yeah, unusual, but uh, I think it's going to be okay in a couple of days, and, and we'll be able to get all our work in. Sounds great. Thanks, Manny. Appreciate it. Thank all you. right. Be good, guys. Thank you, Manny.
There it is, Mariners coach Manny Acton. Always great to catch up with Manny. And I think we're all planning on showing up in the greatest shape of our lives. Oh, don't uh, we always? Man. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> plan or we plan. do? <laughs> no, plan. Oh, I'm working Definitely out right plan. now. <laughs> I'm eating two plates of pasta. I'm up to two. All right. Coming up next, Sam Haggerty is going to join us as we roll along with the hot stove right after this. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. Frazier at third. Haggerty hitting the pitch. Swung on line. Drive center field. Base hit. Sam Haggerty coming through again. Mariners tack on another. It's four to one M's. Sam Haggerty. He may wear number zero on his back, but he's number one in your heart. <laughs> That's good. Uh, welcome back to the hot stove. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher, Rick Riz. Are you okay, Shannon? That was a real highlight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a real you highlight. You really yeah. did that. That was said on the radio by me. <laughs> I liked it. Speaking of that, let's welcome Sam Haggerty to the show. Sam, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. And, you know, I appreciate the intro. absolutely hey what was it like down there uh, in this early stages of spring you know we've actually had a few uh, rough days of weather but otherwise uh, it's it's exciting Uh, you can feel the energy in the building and uh, we're all we're all ready for some Mariners baseball Sam we've heard reports on on how you have been this offseason but can you kind of walk us through the process where you're at right now um, yeah, I feel pretty good right now. Uh, we're just pretty much gearing up to, uh, to get to game speed. And, you know, I'm very excited to get back out on that field. And baseball work's been great. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing again. Sam, you're, you're such an integral part of the ball club, especially now with the changes in baseball. You were so important last year and what you did with your defense and, and with the bat and stealing bases as well what can you tell us about i think you're even more valuable now with the changes uh run around at second base and extra innings to go out there and steal a base or to put the ball in play how do you look at the changes and your role with the ball club this year with those changes uh yeah i would say the changes definitely kind of favor a player of of my type uh but you know, you don't get too caught up in those things. You still try to play your game, uh, focus on the things you can control, and, you know, look for advantages where, where you might be able to find them. I mean, you're already such a great base dealer with percentage-wise. It's off the charts. Do you see this as giving you more opportunities to swipe bags? Is this something you you see yourself being more aggressive with, given the situation? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I, I've been trying to, to strategize in my head how, how it may play out. You know, with, with less pickoffs, you know, you're going to probably have more of opportunities to, to trust yourself and make a break. Um, and then you'll have larger bases, which, you know, may make it a little easier to slide and, and avoid a tag. And, you know, all, all sorts of those little things um, um, I look into and, and I'll factor into 
to trying to steal second base or third base. You know, kind of it's going to be an interesting spring training, and we've talked about all these new rules changes are coming, but as a player, how important are those games going to be for you, getting used to that? What are the things that you're going to kind of want to try and figure out and time out and see how it works for you? Uh, you'll have your, your stuff you will test out as a player, but it will just be interesting to see how, you know, coaches, teams, players, how everyone sort of adapts to the the, the new normal. And, and that'll be real, real interesting and fun to watch and, and the things I'll be paying attention to. You know how how pitching pitchers are picking off, how coaches are calling the running game. You know various things like that will be real real interesting to see. Are you a guy that when you're in the dugout, you're talking about the things that you're seeing with the pitchers and that? Are those things that you can share with the with players in game who might be able to do some of the same things that you can do? Um, absolutely. You you'll always try to to help your teammates out, give them a tip. Um, you know the unique thing about you know hitting base running any sort of you you always got to be you always have to be able to see it yourself and you know that's the those are the difficult things that sometimes you know when when players give me tips and when I give them you're you're not able to see it and that just is a credit to that player for being able to find it and notice it Sammy you bring so much energy when you're in the ball game last year when we were in Detroit you made one of the greatest non-catches I've ever seen in baseball. <laughs> you know, with the nets down the left and right field line, you, without any fear, went flying into that net deep in the left field corner, had the ball, and the net just flung you right back onto the warning track, and then the ball came free. But when you're flying back 10 feet in the air, were you looking for a landing spot? What was going through your head at the start of the play and, and when it ended? Because, man, it was a tremendous effort. Yeah, you know, definitely wish I would have held on to that one. But uh, yeah, I, I will be honest with you. I have, you know, kind of always thought about the play happening at some point in a game. You know, you, you get a little bored out there in the outfield and you're, you're looking around and you're like, it might be fun there. to jump in that net. <laughs> and it happened. You said, this is the fly ball that's going to happen, right? Uh, like, this is the one. Let's do it. So would you do uh, it again? Yeah, I, I, do you feel good about being able to do that? Yeah, I feel relatively safe. I mean, the Nets there to catch <laughs> Relatively <the> safe. <laughs> you know, like on the way back, you just kind of got to hold on to the net to just you know, make sure nothing crazy happens. I mean, my fiancé wasn't too happy about it after the game, but <laughs> that's all right. Maybe Scott either. I don't know. But uh, it was a great effort, buddy, and I, and I love your all-out play. That's why we all love you, buddy. Sam, Appreciate that. Thank you. I just had a conversation recently with Matt Festa. And he gave us some insight on a trip this off season that I got to hear about from your perspective. It was an incredible trip. Um, you know, it was all set up uh, by Team Italy and Fibs, and you know they did a wonderful job. We saw parts of Rome and Florence, and went to a winery in, in Tuscany. It was amazing, and you know I will remember it for the rest of my life. Hanging out with Mike Piazza, speaking Italian, oh, walking around everywhere, right? <laughs> oh, yes. It was an incredible experience. Uh, Mike was great. Uh, the whole organization was great. You know, I, I would tell you guys to go, but I'm not sure it's that easy. <laughs> oh, I want to go. All my relatives were over there. <laughs> so I mean, someday you get to go back. Where do you, where do you go first? What do you want to do there again? I, I probably will go to... 
would go to Florence. Florence was it was beautiful. The the architecture, um, the streets, the the people, the the shops. It was an incredible experience. And I mean, I got so many pictures on my phone. And you know, I I, I won't ever do it justice. Uh, it's something that you just really have to see. What's the best thing you ate? Mm. Oh man, <laughs> pasta. <laughs> yeah, there was there was this. Uh, lasagna and and boar meat at the winery and the the gentleman poured us our glass of wine and said the boars eat our grapes so we eat them and i'll I'll never forget it it was unbelievable wow let's talk a little bit about your family the reason you weigh zero actually uh oh for your grandfather right onofrio yes sir it was onofrio alfano um Onofrio is my middle name, and that's where I. That's why I wear number zero. Well, Sam, thank you so much for the time tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the stories too. You've inspired people to take a visit to Italy. I think so. Thank you for that. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yes, uh, thank you so much for having me on, and you know, let's let's have a good year coming up. There we go. Thank you, Sam. Sam Haggerty, Mariners outfielder slash infielder. I think it's still yeah, sure. safe you to call Sam out. Haggerty everything. But uh, yeah, he's fun to watch. <laughs> Net jumper. Oh <laughs> I my goodness! I, I, it is one of the strongest visuals in my mind from last season. Him just bouncing off that thing like Spider Man. It was. It was wild. Yeah, it was like on a trampoline. He went flying off that net back onto the one track in the left field corner, and he had plenty of time in there looking for a spot to land, and fortunately he was all right, but uh, that was just some kind of effort. And it's know. still in play, so we could see it again, apparently. Yeah. He's ready. <laughs> Sounds he's, like he's ready to do it again. He was relatively safe, and apparently that's all it takes. Yeah. Got to hold on to the net, when you're, which I didn't even think. It's a, you see know, a net catch. I, it was one of those instances every now and then you look down and you miss something, and I think, God, I was not looking down when that happened oh, yeah. because, and it just yeah. happened in stages. It's like he's running out of room. He's in the net. He's back <laughs> on the field. Yeah. But just hanging on to the net, that was, that was yeah. brilliant. So good. We got more hot stove when we come back. We'll get our first chance to chat with Justin Toole when we come back right after this. Hot stove continues. This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Thanks for being with us here tonight. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher, Rick Riz. One of our last, one more Hot Stove next Tuesday, and then it is full-on spring trading. As we get a chance to visit with Justin Toole, the new Director of Player Development for the Seattle Mariners. Our chance to our first conversation with Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So before we go further, you have to describe what is the Director of Player Development. What does that mean? Uh, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Um, basically, just you know, kind of overseeing and and figuring out you know our, our player development system. So um, you know, placing coaches players, uh, things like that, kind of just overseeing a lot of the processes um, and things that go into the player development side. So i um, fortunate enough to have quite a few talented staff members to help me along with that. Um, obviously, Andy's been in that role for, um, you know, a few years now, and he's still here to help um, <clears throat> bridge that gap and help me along. So I'm um, just doing my best, uh, you know, to, to help the organization by developing the players, um, 
you know, quite a few of them that have already made it to the major leagues, and hopefully we can continue to do that as we um, continue to move forward. As you get into it, what have your initial impressions been of, of what the Mariners have built in the farm system? Oh, it's been awesome. Um, you know, I've only been here for a few months, and it's probably one of the most, if not the most, enjoyable and rewarding off-seasons that I've been a part of, just getting to know the staff. Um, obviously, the opportunity that Jerry and Justin and Andy have given me is, is an unbelievable one. So, um, you know, just, you know, our coordinator group, um, our leadership group, sitting down and, you know, doing our continued education calls and things that we do throughout the week um, in the off-season was a great chance to get to know the staff, um, get to know what it's like to be a Mariner, um, the expectations and things like that. And, you know, going through that process, it's no surprise that, you know, the the players that have reached the big leagues in the past couple of years, you know, the reason why they're there is, is the systems and things that are in place um, at the minor league level. So um, it's been a, a great few months, and I look forward to continuing to build on the success that that group's already had. Justin, welcome to the organization. Tell the fans here in the Northwest uh, a little history of Justin Toole. Where did you grow up? Uh, you know, how many you played uh, um, in the minor leagues a number of years, and how did you get this opportunity? Absolutely. Well, definitely uh, excited to be part of the, the organization in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, grew up in Iowa, um, kind of grew up in a teaching, coaching family. Um, my dad was my high school baseball coach. Uh, he's been an administrator, um, currently is a middle school guidance counselor. Um, my mom was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. My brother owns a facility um, and is a director of operations there. So definitely come from a teaching, coaching family. Um, attended the University of Iowa and then had the opportunity to play in Cleveland's farm system for seven years. I always joke around. Um, I signed as an undrafted free agent. I think I'm one of the few, if not the only one, that's never been drafted, but also never been released. So um, was able to play. <laughs> was able to play for. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was just a guy they couldn't quite get rid of. Um, but had the opportunity to play there for seven years, and then they gave me a coaching opportunity. And um, you know, it's it's one of those things where. Um, you know, grew up in a family that always kind of, you know, taught me to put my head down and go to work. And then when you pick your head up, you'll be in a good spot. And that's kind of what's, what's happened and kind of led me to this position. In the minors, you literally did everything. In fact, I am looking at a book <laughs> right now. It's called Nine and Nine, Nine Life Lessons Learned from Playing Nine Positions in One Nine-Inning Baseball Game by Justin Toole. So you're an author too, right? Yes, yes, yes. You, you got to tell us about what I mean. You you did play all nine positions in one game. Yeah, it uh, it, was, it was an awesome opportunity. Um, <clears throat> looking back on it, it, was probably the highlight of of my minor league and professional career um, as a player. Um, I was always uh, obviously not not being drafted. Um, I had to find a way to make myself valuable to the organization. So as a player, I learned to play as many positions as I could. I grew up as an infielder. Um, you know, growing up with, with my dad as a coach was often around the game. So figured, you know, if I need to play outfield, I could play outfield. Basically told the organization, put me wherever you need me. I want to be as valuable as possible. And ended up having a manager one year that uh, that was new to the organization. And he asked me where I, I could play. I told him I could play anywhere he wanted me to. So um, after a couple of weeks, he kind of looked at me and was like, you weren't joking about that. He's like, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna put you at all nine positions at the end of the year. And I was like, oh, I was like, that sounds great. And the end of the year rolls around and, He's like, the only requirement was I had to catch two bullpens and throw two, two bullpens since I wasn't really a catcher or obviously a pitcher. Um, so went ahead and did that, and then he threw me out there. And, I mean, it was an unbelievable opportunity. The best part was our pitcher um, that night, I threw the ninth inning, which I don't know if our manager um, knew what he was quite doing there. But he <laughs> throws me out there in the ninth inning. Our pitcher had thrown eight, like seven or eight shutout innings, and so it was up to me to not blow the uh, – the lead or the uh, the shutout, and I definitely blew the shutout oh. by getting back to back home runs. But 
uh, we made we made it through. So it was a cool opportunity to kind of um, allow me to kind of showcase kind of the the grinder mentality that my career was as being the guy that gave a lot of our prospects days off and you know played the day games and did things like that to help the team. So it was, it was a cool experience for me to kind of be able to showcase that for for one game. In your research for this book, Justin, how many guys have done that either in the minor leagues or the big leagues? Oh. There's 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 a few, um, and it seems like almost towards the end of every year, there's always one or two guys that do it. Um, so I'm sure there's probably many more that that have been, um, <clears throat> you know, publicized. But um, worked with a gentleman who kind of challenged me at the end of the year. Was like, you know, what was the highlight of the year? And I told him about that game, and he's like, you know, you should write a book about that. And I was like, okay. And he was like, but it's not about that. It's about life lessons that you've learned from playing baseball, and you can tie that into. Um, you know, your, your playing career in that game. And it was just such a good idea. And he kind of challenged me and I'm a competitive person and kind of was like, you won't. And, <laughs> and ended up uh, sitting down and going ahead and doing it. So it was, it was a cool opportunity to kind of tell my story. I think a lot of people think um, success is very linear. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that have success that go through trials and tribulations and learn things throughout their career. So it's kind of a way to kind of tell that story while also kind of sharing some of my experiences. You talk about the trials and the tribulations. What's the toughest thing for a minor leaguer who is trying to get to the big leagues? I think I think just the, the grind of the season. Um, obviously, um, with travel and being away from family, there's a lot of sacrifices that go into it. And I think the game of baseball is so tough just in general, just the nature of, you know, how much you fail, whether it's as a hitter or as a pitcher, um, and continuing to find ways to to build on the, the success and sometimes the little successes that you have. Um, I think that's probably the hardest part is, you know, baseball is unique in that you play every single day. So you have the opportunity to go out there, um, whether it was a good performance or a bad performance. The, the cool part is you get that opportunity the next day. So I think learning not to ride those highs, not to ride those lows and stay, you know, consistent and trust the process throughout the season, I think is, is probably one of the toughest things. When you look at players that make it to the big leagues and have success in the major leagues, is there a common thread? How much is it talent? How much is it drive? How much is it the organization helping them along the way? What does that look like, development? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think that's a million-dollar question. I, I, I believe it's probably a combination of, of, of all of that. I think you have to have a good mindset. You have to have a good work ethic. Um, you also have to believe in yourself. You have to you know, have the physical talent, the tools to be able to go out there and perform. Um, I, I think it's a combination of, of all of it. I think, you know, if you have a strong organization with a good support system, you know, it helps those times when you struggle, um, turns those struggles into learning opportunities. And then from there, you can continue to build on the successes that you have. So I would say it's probably a combination um, of all of it. But I think more than anything, it's just the per- perseverance of, of making it through the minor league. Someone once told me, you know, it's not about making it to the big leagues. It's about surviving the minor leagues. And it's just putting... <laughs> putting that time in, putting that effort in and, and going out there each and every day and, and, and doing it and then doing it the next day and the next day for 140, 150, 160 days. You know, taking a look at the Mariners system and what they've been able to do in the last few years, they uh, they have uh, certainly, certainly produced a lot of pitching and very good pitching. And sometimes you look and it, it's um, it looks like the pitching has had the edge for some time, maybe to the detriment of the hitting and you don't always see the hitters and it's not just the Mariners it's other organizations as well right now I see you've got a lot of hitting in your background you're hitting analyst uh, at the big league level with the Guardians what what can you take from that and what do you look when it comes to you know not just uh, developing a hitter but developing hitters as as a program as an organization 
Absolutely. I think a lot of people would tell you that hitting is probably um, the toughest thing to do in sports. Um, and so I think there's kind of that little nuance of, of knowing up front how tough it is to hit, especially hit at the major league level. Um, the cool part about um, you know being at the major league level as a coach the last three years is, is being able to experience the major leagues and, and see what that's all about. I think as a player, obviously didn't, didn't make it to the major leagues. So that opportunity for me, um, you know, you, you see that everybody's talented. You see that everybody struggles. You see that everybody goes through those ups and downs and just being able to reiterate that message to the minor leagues. I think oftentimes, um, you know, you forget how hard it is to do something like that. And it's like giving the credit to, you know, the pitchers are out there trying to do a job to get you out. And as a hitter, your job is, you know, to try to get the pitcher out of there. So, um, you know, that experience, I think the, the different lenses that I was able to experience in Cleveland, whether it was being in the office or being on the coaching staff, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the hardest thing to do is, is create that pitcher-hitter environment in practice. Um, so finding ways to, you know, put hitters in a game-like environment, have them make this good swing decisions, have them, you know, face different pitch shapes or different pitch speeds and things like that. Trying to replicate that, that game environment seems to be the best way to do it. And, you know, with, with throwing a ball overhand, the, the ideal, ideal pitcher is not always available. So trying to utilize machines and things like that is, is probably the best way to go about it. But I still think, as you mentioned, pitching's ahead. It's probably going to continue to be ahead, but I think uh, hitting's on its way to catch up. Busy with the uh, new player, uh, director of player development for the Mariners, Justin Toole. Justin, last year we had the pleasure of watching uh, Julio Rodriguez become the American League Rookie of the Year. Won a season, the slow start, but then he turned it around and, and had an incredible year. Uh, from the other side, what did you guys see from Julio Rodriguez? I, I'll go back to spring training. Um, we were playing um, in Peoria, uh, night game, I believe, and Julio hit a ball right center, left center, one of the gaps. And I will never forget. I'm watching the ball. And as it lands, I think I looked up and he was already rounding second. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you could see, you could see the athleticism. You could see him fly around the bases. He might've had an inside the park home run, I believe, but just the excitement on his face and, and the energy that he plays with. Um, you know, we, we got to see, uh, you know, him up close quite a few times last year. And I mean, he's a true talent and, and from, from far away, it was fun to watch, not only him, but just the the team last year, the the win streak and the excitement, and then the fans and everything, and it's it's definitely something that that was noticeable um, from across the country. And it's definitely something I'm excited to be about and, and watch much closer this year. When the season gets going and the Mariners are playing and all the affiliates are going, what does your job look like day to day? A lot of watching baseball, um, <laughs> which is great. A lot of watching baseball, but uh, just communicating with the staff, you know, making sure I look at my role as kind of being a resource for our staff and our players. So reaching out to the different affiliates, making sure they have what they need. Um, if they don't, then finding ways to help them or assist them, whether it's equipment, whether it's conversations, whether it's continued education, um, things like that. And, and ultimately, we're all working towards trying to, you know, make the players better. So um, I think you always keep an eye on the major league team and what they're doing. Um, obviously, from a director of player development standpoint is like trying to make sure that the guys at the minor league level are ready um, for when they do get their name called to get to the big leagues, whether it's a guy getting called up for the first time or, um, you know, a guy that's been up and down, making sure the major league group, the minor league group are all on the same page um, in terms of the players and their goals. And then also making sure that the players are ready to perform and continuing to improve those goals while they're in the minor leagues to um, impact the major league team. I think the exciting part is, the success that, that the major league team has had. Um, we've lost some people in the system due to trades and things like that, that have ultimately impacted the major league team. And anytime you're 
major league team is winning and, and in contention, it's it's important for the minor league guys to be ready to go when they get their name called. Going to take away from the Mariners for a moment. I'm wondering, what were you doing during the four and a half hour rain delay last year at the end of the season against the Mariners? I think I took three or four different naps, um, and I, I specifically remember my my wife and son were at the game, and they kept texting me that I should come up to the suites and hang out with them uh, for a little bit. But uh, yeah, that uh, was was quite a game, and uh, uh, ended up going a little bit longer than you'd probably want during the game as well. But. Uh, it's uh, one of those one of those experiences that you'll never forget. That's for sure. That probably won't be the last time. So if you have a sweet hookup when we're there next, yeah, yeah just let us There's know. Always something. We'll hang out. We're never gonna have a rain out here <laughs> since 1977, <laughs> Justin. We've never had a rain out here in Seattle, so you don't have to. I'm, worry I'm about knocking it. on wood. I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. Well, the dome and the roof, so we're gonna be in great shape. Hey, you know this organization is so loaded with young players, and so many are here right now. So many contributed to the success last year, getting to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Cal Raleigh, and many, many others. Uh, when when you're talking with the young players, and you were that kid, you know, when you played in the minor leagues, what's your conversation like with these young players? What do you see? What do you want to hear from these guys when you have a talk with these kids? Yeah, I think I think more than anything, it's it's just having them get a chance to communicate with the guys you just mentioned. So so many guys in our minor league system. You know, I've, I've played with Gilbert and played with Cal Raleigh and, and Julio and those guys. So being able to know that, you know, they're their teammates playing side by side and now watching them, you know, <clears throat> try to win a World Series in, in Seattle, that's that's something that fuels and helps the young guys um, to, to for a couple of reasons. Number one, they, they know that they can compete at that level, um, but also they've, they've seen what it takes from those guys to be able to reach you know, the major leagues and those types of levels. So I think more than anything, you're, you're looking for people that want to win. You want to, you, you want them to compete. Um, but at the same time, like understanding that, you know, they feel like they belong and they, they want that opportunity and more than anything are ready for that opportunity when it comes. Well, Justin, thanks a lot for all the time tonight. It's great to talk to you for the first time. It'll be uh, the first of many chats. So thanks again. Yeah. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. There it is, Justin Toole, new Director of Player Development for the Mariners. When we come back, we're going to talk some draft. Scott Hunter's going to be with us when we come back. Hot Stove right after this. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. It is the Hot Stove or Hot Stove. I'm not sure if the D is there or not. Have we ever established that? I'm th- I think the title actually changes from year to year. It's roughly Hot Stove. Hot Stove. Yeah. Show is gone. I think the is still there. Yeah, I know. But sometimes the show appears, sometimes the, sometimes just hot stove. I don't know. It's called the stove. Hot stove-ish here <laughs> every Tuesday, 7 to 9. Ish. Our last one coming up next week. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreyer, Rick Riz here. As we get a chance to visit Scott Hunter. Uh, Scott, we get to play our favorite game, and it is where in the world is Scott Hunter right now? Which really could be anywhere. <laughs> Well, yeah, right now, starting off in Florida, so it's, it's getting close to my bedtime down here in uh, the lovely yeah. state of Florida. <laughs> Keeping you up, aren't we? No, nah, not a problem at all. It's that time of year. Well, thanks for the time. Uh, we wanted to connect with you because, uh, one, you're always great to talk to, but two, you know, with the draft coming up, the Mariners have three picks in the top 30, which is a pretty unusual situation. Uh, first of all, just how excited are you – given this draft for the Mariners coming up? 
It, I mean, every year it's a challenge, and it's you know an exciting time of year for any scout because we become relevant again. You know, the, the, the <laughs> next, next four or five months, and you know we're coming off our off season, and you know it's you know we go into full throttle now. But you know, have the opportunity to to get three picks and just pick you know higher and. Uh, and have all of our picks and pick higher in the draft is such an opportunity, not only for our scouts to be driven, but just for our organization. Uh, we've done some really good things over the last five, six years. We've been doing this together. Our organization's in a good spot. And this just gives us another opportunity, you know, to build for the future, which, you know, we've always talked about. We want we want to try to do this for the long term, not the short term. So this provides us a really good opportunity for us. So you mentioned a second ago, well, it's that time of year. And to me, I think that almost every week of the year, except for the one after the draft, is that time of year. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I see it. What what do you do? What is this time of year in amateur scouting? Yeah, this is a busy time. I mean, we, we're always looking, you know, you know, a big phrase around here is, you know, work in the present, but, you know, always look to the future and, you know, during this time of year, it's just our busy time. For me, you know, travel-wise, I, I go for my down period, which means we're on, you know, our computers and we look through information. There's only so much we can do in the winter months. And then but once we get through the Super Bowl, it's it's time to go. And that usually means, like, this trip for me will be 14 days. I'll be down in Florida for 10. Then I'll fly over to Texas, spend three days there, head home for two days, and then go back out and do another 10 to 12 days and, and just be on that two weeks on two or three day off routine and even the two or three days off are really just to check in with my family and my wife and my one son. And, uh, you know, since my oldest is out playing and with the reds right now, you know, stop in, make sure they know who I still am, get a little <laughs> bit of break from, get a little bit of a, a break from the road and yeah. get, get my, my bearings going again. And, and we do that for, you know, four or five months leading up to the draft and, you know, it, it seems like a lot, but it, 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 the draft always sneaks up when you're really fast and it goes by really quick. So you try to make the most of each day. What do you look for when you are seeing these players in person this time of the year? And how much do you allow for change between now and the draft? And what is real when there is change in that amount of time? Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's constant. We we call it like starting the book on players. And, you know, just over the last two days, I've been watching players that, you know, I'm kind of familiar with. I mean, we saw last summer, um, even saw in the fall. And then after the winter break, you, you just want to see where they're at. I mean, nobody's really ready. And I said to our area scout um, down here in Florida, who I was watching the game with, I'm like, it's amazing. Like we're, we're watching 17 and 18 year old kids in early February and expecting them to be ready to play when our major league guys aren't even ready to play and they're just starting spring training. So there is a lot of just, just continuing to follow, give them their time, let them build up and just really staying, you know, true to what we're seeing now, but being willing to change our minds as the season goes on. If a kid does make a jump or things do start to progress because we see it every year. I mean, you know, you can't make decisions in February, and if you do, you, you're going to make a mistake. Scott, I love talking about uh, scouts and, and the job that you do. I think there should be scouts in the Hall of Fame, to be honest with you. You guys are the lifeblood of every organization. Uh, I, in the minor leagues and early days in the major leagues, I had a chance to talk with guys like Howie Hake and Ellis Clary, scouts that, you know, were scouts for many, many years. They had great stories to tell. They were, you know, a lot of fun. And my question to you, is there a, a blade of grass or a grain of dirt that isn't covered by a professional scout in this country? 
Wow. That, that I mean, there's, there's really no secrets anymore. That's why, like, everybody talks about, you know, the and, when, and I had some really good veteran scouts when I broke in that, you know, they tell you about the days when, you know, you had to use the payphone to call in your reports and get out of your car. You didn't have, you know, they didn't have GPS. They had MapQuest, and you have to write down in a little book about all the different places they, they would go and their, their landmarks so you would remember the next time. I remember for myself when I started in 2004, having a stack of map quests, you know, printouts of like, you know, where you're getting to and what field. But, yeah. you know, there used to be days of like, you know, guys said, oh, the, the hideout player or the secret. I don't know if that's really a thing anymore. It, if it is, it's few and far between. Yeah. I think the real, real, you know, skill of what we do is for the most part, especially with all the information we have on the Internet, the you know, social media posts, all the different showcase events and colleges and everything is more televised and publicized across the country. I really think the skill of what we do is, you know, we all know who the players are. It's just a matter of how aggressive you want to be on a player in the pool. And the skill becomes where you take them, not necessarily if you would take them. I guess scouts aren't carrying around the old Thomas guide anymore like they <laughs> probably used to. <laughs> it is amazing. I, I really, I, I told our, you know, our scout Bobby today. I said, I don't, I don't know how we did this job without <laughs> cell phones, let alone like you know FaceTime and, and yeah. video calling. Like just to call my my wife and kids at home. I'm like, mm. God, it's amazing what the guys did in you know, you know, the early stages of, of baseball, let alone 15, 20 years ago. Scott, is there anything different about the process prepping for three picks in the top 30 instead of just in a normal year, like one pick in the top 30? Does anything change on your end, how you go about it? Uh, I think it will change. I mean, you know, we're going to try to create value in every round of the draft. And I think that is what our, our goal has been each year, is like, especially with 20 rounds, is how far can we you know, push this thing to – to make every pick we take, and everyone's not going to be a major league value, but it could be a minor league trade. Could it be a organizational player? Could it be? And over the last few years, we've had guys in major league trades from all areas of the draft. I think it changes more for where I'll spend my time. You know, with three picks at the top, I'll probably spend more time going back on certain players. Um, you know, a second or third and fourth time, just to really get comfortable with where we're at at the top because the bulk of our, you know, obviously our bonus pool will be with those first three, even four picks with, you know, an early second round pick as well. I know it's always talent, 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 but does three picks allow you to do anything different? Maybe take a risk or maybe target somebody a little bit, a position a little bit more. I, I think, I think the, the answer is D all the above. I mean, there's so many options of what we can do. Uh, that's what you and Jerry and I were talking like, no player is really out of our reach. I mean, you know, the draft, I mean, we pick 20th in the country, but we do have a pretty sizable bonus pool with the three extra picks. We can play it straight. We can pull up the money and, and go big for one and maybe, you know, cut a deal with somebody else to save a little money. There's so many options of like what we can do, but we really, you know, and I don't like to get too cute unless the opportunity is there that we just truly believe in it. And just to have that ability to have the bonus pool money gives us so many so many options and that we haven't had in, in years past. And that's something we talked about as early, you know, when we found out about the picks, Justin Hollander and I were talking like so many years, there's been like those middle round, those comp, those first round comp round guys that we've been targeted, but we just, you know, we couldn't stretch it far enough or we just missed out on a guy that we thought might be able to get to our second pick. Now we're kind of in the driver's seat to, to create some opportunities for ourselves just because of the, 
the amount of picks we have and the amount of money that's you know involved with those three picks. Visiting with Scott Hunter. Scott, uh, 2018, Logan Gilbert, a first-round pick. 2019, uh, George Kirby, a first-round pick out of Elon University, a high draft pick, uh, Cal Raleigh. Uh, besides talent, in your mind, what makes a, a first-round pick? Wow. I mean, that's that's a really hard question. I guess we all, every scouting director and every person in baseball has a different view of what that means. And I think it's something that, you know, I talked to Jerry this off season, and I think for the first time and, you know, where we can really look back on what we've done as an organization, I can say as an amateur scouting group, I, I think we found our way. As I, like, you know, every team says, well, yeah, the, yeah, it's our way. Like, I think we have a mariner way of doing things now, and it's not only the ability – you know, find talent, but find the right pieces and the right kind of people that our organization needs and thrives on. And I think Pat Gillick said it the best. And one of his, yeah. you know, one of his quotes was, you know, when you have, when you find your best players or your best people, that's when organizations truly change. And the names you just rattled off are the kids and the players that are changing our organization. And it's one, their talent is unbelievable, but the kind of people that they, they are and what they value and, and what they're driven by each day all three of those names that, that you mentioned with George and Logan and, and Cal, they're driven by wanting not only to play in the big leagues, but kind of win. And they, and that's what I challenge all of our first round picks to our last round pick. The guy I call every one of them on draft day. And when we meet in person, I put that challenge out to them. I said, you know, we haven't won in 20 years, which now we kind of have, we broke that curse. Now mm-hmm. we broke that curse. Now it's like, Hey, we haven't been to the World Series. What, what's the next step for our group? Who's going to be part of that? Like those are things that we we talk about every day as an amateur scouting group. That not every player that we see that has great talent is will be a great mariner. Uh, you're talking about really next level too when you're talking about scouting that. That's more than just watching a player play. So how do you go about scouting for those kind of traits you're looking for? Yeah, you know, we, we do a lot of off-season, like, work. I mean, I mean, we're not on the road traveling, but we have a lot of these, like, breakout sessions and conversations. And, and a lot of it is just, like, the history of the things from our veteran staff that guys have learned over time or things that I've, you know, figured, that I've learned and valued just from my time as a player and the guys that I've played with and against during my 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 career. Because baseball is not easy. You have to be wired a little different just to get through – not only the minor leagues, but the, to make it to the big leagues, you got to love some of the, the not so fun stuff. And it's one of the one of the things I, I always talk about, and I've always you know told my kids. I mean, don't you? Everybody loves to play. Everybody loves to show up on you know get their four bats, get a couple hits, all that. But what what does the player do? They love the work that goes into being prepared to play. And if they love the cage work, they love the you know the time in the gym, all the hours behind the scenes. It's like a good scouter, a good you know employee in any job. They're willing to do the extra to achieve greatness, and that's the hardest thing we do. And we challenge our guys to get to know the person, their background, what they believe in, what they're driven by. Like, are they the first guy on the bus or the last guy off the bus? And you know, first one to show up. Is it a, like all those little things that go in? How do they treat their teammates? Are they driven to win a game? Or are they just driven? to get drafted like there's a lot of little things and it's just constant conversation and i would say the nuance of scouting is something that we really can't find on a stat sheet is finding out what is what the person is driven by and that's what our guys have done an outstanding job of finding those those guys that fit what we want and expect and 
and they're doing it. They're making change within our organization, and it's showing up on the field. Exactly. Uh, you want to find a kid. Do you want to ride a bus for 18 hours, you know, from Memphis to Orlando and and get out there and do what you need to do? Uh, Scott, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you, you know, with with the draft now, only 20 rounds a short time ago was 40, and years ago was 60. So what about all those kids that would have been drafted from rounds 21 to 40? Where do they go? How do you keep tabs with them? Because there's still some gems out there, mm-hmm. you know. That don't get drafted. Yeah, it's 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 that's a really good point because it's like we were talking, you know, over the last couple of years. It's like you, you're not going to find have the Penn Murphys anymore. Penn Murphy's a 33rd round pick. Yeah. He, I mean, there's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like Mike Piazza was a 62nd round pick. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of players that can still play this game at a very high level. And with the 20 round you know 20 round draft, it does. There's only so many spots, so it it actually puts pressure on the kids that we have in the organization to to continue to progress because there are guys out there. They'll be in independent leagues. There's, you know, the major league draft league after the uh, season's over. And we do keep running tabs of like, you know, especially from our draft room, from the time the draft's over, the amount of um, emails and agent calls that we have about players that are still available. We try to keep our best to, to, to track those guys and see if there's any value. And we will sign players, but as we've talked about now and to our scouts, the, the standards have really risen because if you want to sign a player, that usually means somebody has to leave, well, you know, the, that we have in the organization already because of the, the roster limits and that, that have been set by Major League Baseball. Finally, Scott, I know there was one player in the draft last year that the Mariners were not going to draft, and that was your son. And he got drafted by the Reds. Uh, congratulations again. How did, how did he do? How was his first taste of, of minor league ball? No, he got off to a great start. I appreciate you guys asking. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun and difficult time last year because I had some people in our, in our some people in our draft room, you know, and he was coming off at a, a you know he didn't get to play his freshman year because of COVID, and then his sophomore he breaks his hand, so he came out and really came on the scene. And you know, we had some guys, especially our analysts, saying, "Why aren't we talking about your son?" I said, "Let's not go there." You know, just, there'll probably be there'll probably be a point in the draft I would start really considering it, but I, I was fortunate and just blessed. And that he, you know, he was taken in the fifth round and got an opportunity. But he went out right away, went out to Arizona and got off to a great start last year. And uh, was invited to, you know, to all the early camps. He's been, been in Arizona already for about ten days doing their catching camp. And I think they start early minor league camp tomorrow, and then he'll be in regular spring training. So he's off to a great start, and it's uh, it's it's a little. I, I can take a, a little bit of a, a breath this year. Like I'll watch college. <laughs> I watch college baseball more as just a scout now. I'm not a fan. Nice. Well, Scott, thanks for staying up late uh, for us. We really yeah. appreciate it. And it's fun to talk to you. You guys, you and the scouts are out doing all the work all year long, year round, watching game after game after game. So it's fun to get some insight and in all the work that you put in, you and the scouts. We appreciate it. Not a problem. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Scott. There it is, Scott Hunter. We'll come back. We're going to visit with Daniel Kramer coming up next. He's down in Arizona. We'll have that chat, and we continue. Hatback Bar and Grill at Soto's go-to spot for delicious bites and brews. Open for lunch and dinner every day, 11 to 10. Hatback is great for game day or just a night out with friends. Check out the menu and tap list at hatback.com. We'll come back with more Hot Stove right after this. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. 
They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to Hot Stove. Brought to you by Hatback. Gary Hill, Rick Riz, Shannon Dreyer here. As we head down to Arizona, I was going to say warm Arizona, but from all reports tonight, it's not so warm. As we connect with Daniel Kramer, uh, you can find all his work at MLB.com, Mariners.com. Daniel, is it true it's not warm, stormy? What's going on? Oh, my God, guys. It was crazy tonight. <laughs> the thunderstorms really got me. I uh, I haven't experienced that in quite a minute. As you guys know, living in Seattle, we're very accustomed to the rain, but not necessarily the thunderstorms. And it was a torrential downpour on my way home from dinner tonight. But uh, hopefully we'll have some sunny skies here in the coming days as pitchers and catchers start to report. Yeah, what do you, as camp starts and you think about things, what's kind of the storylines that are going through your head as we start this thing? Yeah, I mean, kind of a lot, Gary, to be totally honest. Uh, The big one is, you know, how do they build upon another 90-win season and, you know, in the words of management, uh, possibly contend for an AL West title I think that that was one thing that really stuck out to me uh, when we met with uh, Jerry DePoto and Scott Service and Justin Hollander a week or so ago at the media day was that, um, you know, just how publicly vocal they were about intending to compete for a division title. And, you know, those, you know, pre-spring training luncheons are all about optimism, but also tempering expectations, trying to keep the fan base excited, but also within a realistic scope. Um, and so, you know, this is my third year on the beat, and this is the most ambitious that I've heard them speak publicly about that. And so that really stood out to me. So seeing how they can manage the course of a six-month season in the gauntlet of, you know, the AL West that's only gotten better. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with the Astros in the division series last year, um, even though they were – 16 games back in the regular season standings, but you look around and Texas has gotten better. Anaheim's gotten better. I mean, the Mariners have objectively gotten better too. So just seeing if they're able to kind of manifest all of those goals and ambitions and whether or not what they've done this off season is enough to kind of take that next step forward and securing that division crown. So I know it's early, um, you know, that won't be determined for another six, seven months, but uh, I think that's going to be the early narrative of uh, their 2023 season is to see if they can, like, really take that step forward and, um, you know, hang that banner up there for the first time since 2001. Daniel, have you had in and out burger yet? (laughs) The real question. (laughs) Yes, Shannon, I did, but it was... It was after I got my rental car, after I went and picked up my bag, after I went and checked into my place. Then I was pretty hungry, so I did stop over <laughs> at the uh, the Bell Road in and out. So okay, so uh, you're sorry, doing sorry, right. sorry, we went without you. Uh, I, I'm sure there will be another trip. Uh, when you look at this, um, 
It's funny because uh, Jerry DePoto said something in the pre-spring training lunch that really jumped out at me that, you know, game one this year is going to be game one. It's not going to be game 163. And they took such large steps last year. You don't just pick up. It's a new group. Things happen. What are some of the questions you have about what can they replicate from last year? I think the big one for me is being able to weather the storm because, I mean, you and I were both in the clubhouse uh, during the early stages of last year in like April and May and into June when things started to look really bleak. Um, and for us who, you know, analyze and watch the team every day, we were kind of like, okay, is the urgency there yet? We know that we're trying to balance this with the really long season, but you're starting to kind of tumble down the standings. How are you going to be able to pull yourself out of it? And so just seeing... I think those moments last year, for me, really differentiated the 2022 team from the 21 team, where the expectations weren't so high, and they were at times playing with house money, and they were, in a lot of ways, the darlings of Major League Baseball in 2021, and then they weren't able to replicate that early in 2022. I, It just stood out to me. I thought, you know, could we be on the brink of a really long summer or will this team find its identity and figure its way out? And so, you know, being in my second year on the beat, that was one thing where I just realized that, okay, what Scott is telling us, there's some credibility to this, that maybe there isn't always the most seamless transition, even though the roster looks mostly intact and you're returning a lot of faces. So going into 2023, is you have objectively a better roster. You've made upgrades at certain positions. Um, You didn't necessarily go out for those big, splashy free agents, but how does this nucleus kind of form, and how does the clubhouse create that cohesive chemistry to be able to deal with those adverse moments? Um, Because they're going to come. It's a really long season. Uh, There are really big challenges. Last year, health was at times a concern, but not a major concern. I mean, their rotation stayed healthy the entire time. The injuries were to Suarez and Julio, but they weren't for extended periods. It's, it was more so that they couldn't like cash in um, offensively. And so how does the 2023 team face that adversity when it strikes and rebound, I think is uh, you know, one of the question marks that I would have. Daniel, uh, players get ready for spring training. Broadcasters get ready for spring training. For you and and for the writers, when you go to spring training, is there a list of stories in your mind that you want to go after that you want to write? Or or every day you go to the ballpark, something is going to happen. Uh, How do you prepare as a writer for spring training? That's a great question, Rick. Um, uh, Yeah, I think... It's such a long season and it's such a long spring to where you want to be open to the dynamic of things and how things can change. Uh, I think all four of us were there last year when, you know, we showed up and we could see Jerry, you know, on a backfield on his phone and we knew that a trade was about to happen. And sure enough, that was for Winker and Suarez. But yeah, you know, you, you want to stay on your toes and you want to be prepared for when breaking news happens. But, um, I love this time of year in the sense that you can really prepare. Um, I have an entire 
spreadsheet of ideas of things that I would like to accomplish and get down there and talk to players about. But sometimes you have to kind of have your head on a swivel and adjust on the fly. But this time of year is really great because, you know, everybody shows up in a good mood. Um, guys are really open and willing to talk. Um, you know, not that they aren't throughout the regular season. It's just there's just kind of like this magic of spring to where there's this refreshed feeling. And um, I think that it just brings this wealth of content ideas to, you know, bring to our readers and our fans and everything. So um, to answer your question, yes, I do have quite a few story ideas that I'm eager to sure. tackle, uh, but I'm ready just when needed. There's a lot of fans listening, Daniel, who will be heading down to spring training, maybe for a weekend, maybe for a week. And outside of going to Mariners games, which is the obvious, what else should people do when they head down to Arizona for spring training? Uh, well, I think, Gary, you can attest, and Shannon as well, and maybe even Rick, but I really like taking in the outdoors here. I mean, we are kind of cooped up in the Seattle winters where the sun goes down at like four o'clock and it can be misty and cold. And so really taking in the sunshine, there's plenty of awesome hiking trails around, um, just beautiful scenery. It's just, I think it's a really good time to, you know, put in the work and really grind and um, get ready for the regular season and get to know all of these guys and put in the FaceTime and everything. But like, when you're not at work, you know, taking time to get out and, and enjoy some of those trails and enjoy some of that sunshine because Arizona has a lot to offer it. I, I really am glad that we're covering a team in the Cactus League because uh, <laughs> it's, it's a really nice time of year to yeah. be down here in the, the mid-70s, maybe not so much today with the rain and thunderstorms, but uh, really looking forward to that sunshine and, um, you know, getting out there. Who are you most anxious to get your eyes on? You know, I think, you know, the easy answer is Jared Kelnick, seeing how he kind of figures it out and tries to work his way into that situation in left field that they're committing to a platoon for right now and seeing where he kind of runs with it and what could be in some ways a make or break year, um, just given where he's at and he's only got one minor league option left. So, I think that situation is really fascinating, especially because he did have so much hype coming up through the system two years ago. Uh, I'm really excited to see Marco Gonzalez and how he kind of responds from a performance perspective after, you know, being left off the postseason roster. I think that that was pretty clear in the weeks leading up to the playoffs that he probably wasn't going to be included, just given that, you know, you don't really need five starters in a shortened series necessarily. So especially since he has been here through the thick and thin of the rebuild and, you know, just the emotions he's shown towards the city and the organization and everything and just kind of how he responded from that. But I'm also really looking forward to seeing some of these pitching prospects because this is the time of the year that we get to put our eyes on them and we've heard all about them. Uh, we've read all about them, but we not haven't necessarily put our eyes on them and seen them out in performance. So really curious to see how Bryce Miller looks. Um, all the things that I've heard are really positive. And the fact that, you know, Jerry's come on you guys' show and hinted that, you know, maybe they would be open to breaking camp with their very 13 best pitchers. And 
if he's one of them, that could be a consideration. So that was something that jumped out to me as well. So him, Emerson Hancock, Brian Wu, I mean, obviously Harry Ford, he's not a pitching prospect, but, you know, I think they got nine of their top 30 uh, from their pipeline rankings that are going to be in camp. So just putting eyes on some of those guys and seeing a little bit more tangible results and whatnot, um, because this is the time of year to do so. Well, Daniel, thanks for taking the time tonight. We appreciate it. And we'll see you in just a matter of days. Thanks, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. See you soon. Thank you, Daniel. There it is, Daniel Kramer. We'll come back and wrap things up on Hot Stove. First, if you're planning on going to more than one Mariners game this season, you should. Consider a Mariners Flex membership. You can choose the games and seats you want all season long, plus save at least 10% on tickets and pay no fees. Mariners.com slash flex. We'll come back. More Hot Stove right after this. This message comes from BECU Investment Services, who understands the money you work hard for is more than just dollars and cents. It's family vacations, big life moments. It's your future, whether it's just starting or nearing retirement. The experienced financial advisors at BECU Investment Services can guide you through creating a long-term financial plan. Your goals are their top priority. Schedule an appointment today by visiting becu.org slash investments. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hotback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Rick Rich, Shannon Dreher. Any final thoughts before we end the show? Yeah, I hope it's not raining when we get down to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it's good My they're goodness. getting that out of the way. Yeah. I appreciate Actually, it. Actually, Arizona could use some rain, so that's probably that's not a bad true. thing. Absolutely. And yeah. then they can deal with the, oh, you brought and, it with you from Seattle. Oh, and then we could use some sunshine. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting down there Tuesday. Shannon, you're going, what, Sunday? Sunday afternoon. Gary's Tuesday. Okay, it reminds me of one of my favorite conversations when I first got down there a couple years ago in the grocery store and I overheard two people. It's like 70 and sunny, and yeah. I'm wearing shorts. And two of them, uh, there was like a cloud overhead. And two of them were like, oh, <laughs> oh you no. just You just never know where you're going to get here. I was like, what? <laughs> you know Are exactly you where me? you're going to get here. Yeah. It's sunny every All day. Yeah. But okay. So, now, yeah. no, it's, to be fair, 65 and sunny is completely different than 65 and cloudy in Arizona. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good point. But we won't see very much of 65, so not. it's not an issue. Yeah, it's going to warm up 75, 80, 85. We can't wait to see the guys get on the field, on field one down there, see the fans down there, see Scott, the coaches, uh, the new players. It's always exciting. Well, thanks a lot to Penn Murphy, who was with us, Manny Atka, Sam Haggerty visited as well, Justin Toole, our first conversation, Scott Hunter, Daniel Kramer. It was a full show for Brady behind the glass. Shannon Dreher, Rick Riz. That's it for the hot stove tonight. We will talk to you next week for the final hot stove. Until then, have a great week. So long.